uh, tonight, I just always want to, re to remind you that when we study Scripture, we have to keep the main things the main things. None of us have all of the answers, all right? And uh, I told you a few weeks ago that we were going to try to look at the book of life and what the Bible says about that. And ultimately, the book of life leads you into so many other discussions that for the sake of time, we will never get through. And so we will try our very best to stick to what we're looking at, and then as other issues arise, we'll write them down and try to come back and study them at a different time. But just to give you an update over the next couple of weeks, um, I'm going to be taking some time off uh, upcoming, and so starting next Wednesday, the 21st, I'm going to be off for some time. And so next Wednesday, Bible study is going to be taught by Brother Dennis Reed, most of you in uh, no, Brother Dennis. On Sunday, um, Sunday morning, the 25th, Brian Henderson is going to be preaching. And so uh, you, you, it is always a blessing to hear from him. Uh, Sunday night, the 25th, Brother Dennis Reed will be preaching. And then Wednesday night, the 28th, Brother Bill Miller will be leading Bible study. And so uh, what we don't get through tonight, we will... Just leave for those guys. No, I'm kidding. I, I am kidding. I am kidding. Uh, we will do that. We will do that when I get back. <clears throat> so from the 21st till the end of March, I am going to be off. And so uh, just wanted to make you aware of that <clears throat> a little bit ahead of time. Uh, anytime that we study the Word of God, we also have to remember why we're studying what we're studying. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, it's not in your notes tonight because I always like for you to bring your Bible. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, it tells us how we are to study the Word of God, how we are to teach the Word of God, how we are to interact with one another when we study the Word of God. Because in chapter 2, verse 22, it says, Flee also useful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, <clears throat> with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach and patient. So anytime we study the Word of God, it is not to quarrel. It is not to prove that I'm right or you're wrong or you're right and I'm wrong, but just to know who God is and to love Him more and to understand more about Him. And the book of life is one of those things that can really be confusing. It can be um, difficult to understand because you read in the book of Revelation where it says that there is no way to be blotted out. And then you read in Exodus chapter 32 about possibly being blotted out. And you read some places that the book of life is before the foundation of the world, but yet then how could anything be created before the foundation of the world if everything was created at creation? So there's just a lot there, and a lot of it is stuff that we will just have to wait and ask the Lord when we get there. But the key to deciding what you believe about something is always what does God's Word say? And there are some passages that are very easy to understand. They're very clear, they're they're very straightforward and that, that there are some difficult. And the key to finding out what you believe is to study all of the Word of God, 
But make sure you base what you believe on the verses that are the easiest to understand, the most straightforward. Because why? Because God is bigger than us. God's ways are higher than ours. God, God is, uh, you know, we're not even on the same playing field when it comes to who God is and His wisdom and knowledge. And so tonight, all we're going to try to do is just look through what the Bible says and knowing that tonight, no matter what preconceived notions you or I come with, we're probably not going to change our minds. All right? We're probably not. But what we can do is just find out what the Bible says, how it disagrees, and yet how we can hopefully understand it better. And so tonight I want to start with the two things that pretty much everyone can agree on when you study the book of life. It is mentioned in chapter 13 of the book of Revelation. It is mentioned in chapter 17 of the book of Revelation. And it is mentioned in the book of Revelation chapter 20. And so the first thing that almost everybody can agree on is that there is a book of life and at the end of this age, when the time as we have seen it in history plays out, um, the name of saved people are in it. And look in Revelation chapter 20 with me tonight as we see this play out. In Revelation chapter 20, starting in verse 11 through 15, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened. Now this word for books is used 30 some times in the New Testament. And as you understand, it was not a book like you would see in front of you tonight. It was most likely a scroll that could be unrolled. You probably have read when Jesus first stood up in the synagogue and read from the book of Isaiah. It was a scroll unrolled of the Old Testament. And so 30 out of those 35 or 6 times, it is mentioned as a scroll. And so a book, uh, that understanding of something written upon which is the, and I, another book was open. So we see books and we see another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their words, works, which the things that were written in the books. First list, the first one listed. The sea gave up the dead who were in it and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so, if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, you will not inherit heaven. And so if you want to flip to the conclusion of tonight's Bible lesson in your notes on the very last page, I want to read to you Luke chapter 10. Because the disciples were serving God, they were celebrating what God was doing through them. And in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 17, it says, Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. 
Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So they're celebrating what God was doing, but listen to what Jesus follows up that with. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. He says no matter what God accomplishes in your life or what you are able to do for the glory of God, the number one thing that we are thankful for, the number one thing that we celebrate is the fact that we are children of God. Salvation is more important than anything I can ever accomplish for God. If I have nothing else to praise God for, if I don't feel like God's using me or working in my life, the fact that I belong to Him, that my name is written in heaven, is enough. It's enough to celebrate. It's enough to praise and give honor for. And so, the Lamb's Book of Life, or at the end of the age, the names of all of God's children are recorded. The second thing we can all agree on, and there's pretty much just two that we can all agree on and everything else no one agrees on, all right? That there are other books in heaven. Other books in heaven. You say, Jake, where do we find that? Well, we found it in Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. And books were opened, plural, something other than the Lamb's book of life. We see this very same thing told to us in Daniel chapter 7, which I believe is talking about this same occurrence that is going to happen in Revelation from the book of Daniel. It says in Daniel chapter 7, starting in verse 9 through 10, I watched till thrones were put in place and the Ancient of Days was seated. Bible commentators believe that's Jesus. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him, and thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. And so what are in these books? Um, what is recorded in them? Uh, the Bible says in some places that there are books of remembrance. The Bible says that there are sometimes books of the words that we have said. Jesus said we will give an account for every idle word. Some believe that these books are the books of everyone who has ever lived. We will look at that. But in the next paragraph, I give you of all of the issues that are debated and disagreed upon in churches. When was the book created? Some people believe the book has always existed, that it is like God has always existed. Some people believe it was created at creation when the foundation of the world was laid. When are the names of saved people written in the book of life? Some people believe that before eternity passed, God, according to his purposes and plans, wrote your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And for those that he didn't, will not go to heaven. Others look at that and say that God didn't choose who would go in the book, but he knew how you would respond and he wrote your name in accordingly. 
Others believe that the names are not written into the Lamb's book of life until you are born again. Some people believe that the names, once they are written in the Lamb's book of life, are there permanently. Others believe that the names can be blotted out. And the word for blotted is the idea of wiping. Wiping something off a page. Wiping something off a plate. Wiping something off a table. And then the third one that the disagreements and discussions happen on, is there a book in the Old Testament that records every living person and the blotting out means the end of their time on earth? That when God allows someone's life to end on this earth, that they are blotted out of the book of the living and not the book of life. So those are the disagreements. And they are many. Right? You will find Bible commentary after Bible commentary of disagreements tonight. And I am not claiming to answer all of the questions. And so tonight, before we jump in, any questions? Any thoughts? All right. Turn it over. The issue with this topic is it is hard to know for certain because the two passages in Revelation are highly debated because of the meaning of one word in each verse. And tonight I have two translations of the same verse tonight. One of the New King James Version, which I use. The next is the English Standard Version. The New King James Version reads Revelation 13, verse 8, as this. All who dwell on earth will worship Him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The ESV records this same verse and says, and all who dwell on earth will worship it, everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. In the New King James Version, the exact same thing happens again. You say, which translation is correct? I don't believe you're ever going to win that argument. People who like the ESV say it is translated correct. People who like the New King James Version say it is correct. And ultimately, it doesn't matter how many scholars you find, how much manuscript you report, that the disagreement is extremely difficult. All right? And so ultimately, all you can do is find out what does it say, what does the rest of the Bible say, and leave people where they're at. All right? But look what it says in Revelation chapter 17, verse 8. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. The ESV states, the beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life. I'm thinking that should be saved before. If anybody's got the ESV, read that. I might have copied and pasted that the same. 
will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come. Does anybody have the ESV? Because it's I cut copy and paste them, so sometimes I don't hit the search button very well. Seventeen eight. Is it from or before? From and okay. And these are two different Greek words. All right. No matter what Bible scholars say, they are two words. The first is APO, pronounced APA. And it means going away from something. That means when we start at 6.30, we're going away from 6.30. Right? If you start going to St. Louis, you start in McLeansboro, you are going away from McLeansboro. That's what it means. The word for before is P-R-O, but it's pronounced pra. And it means before or in front of something. What did you do before you got here tonight? That's just the way it means. And so depending on which version you use, this is the issue. Which is it? Which is right? And tonight, I'm not going to tell you which is right or wrong. Because ultimately, it will depend on which version you use. But what I do want to show you is how it is used other places in the Bible and hopefully that will clear it up to the best of our ability. Okay? All right. Examples of from used in the Bible in Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 49. Therefore, the wisdom of God also said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute, that the blood of all the prophets which was shed from Appa, the foundation of the world may be required of this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the temple, yes, I say to you, it shall be required of this generation. Now, why this word matters is, from is this, that when God created the world, from that time until the time of Zechariah, the blood of the prophets would be spilled. It would be ongoing. They weren't all killed when the world was created. They were killed as they were killed. So that is why some people believe that when the names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life from the foundation of the world, that when someone is saved, God writes the name in the book. All right? Because this verse, from, can mean since something and it's ongoing. In Matthew chapter 17, the very same word is used. In Matthew chapter 19, excuse me, starting in verse 7, they said to him, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce to put her away? He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from Appa, the beginning, it was not so. So that's not how it was intended by God in the beginning, right? It was one man, one woman for life. But at the foundation of the world, when Adam and Eve were created and sin entered into the world, from that time on, he has been willing to give certificates of divorce for certain biblical reasons, okay? That's what that word means. Now, if you hold that it's the other word, 
the before, the pro, you can read those verses and say that before God ever created the foundation of the world, that he wrote in the Lamb's book of life those who would be saved. All right? Those are the two views that I think are the only options. All right? And it's all going to depend on what you believe about those words and other things. So if you want to believe the from, which there's a biblical example, twice at least, of something that is happening since the foundation of the world. If you want to read it's before the foundation of the world, we're going to look at verses that talk about that happening as well. Questions? Wouldn't that be predestined? Before the foundation of the world would be predestined, yes. That God predestined before you were ever created who was going to go to hell, who was going to go to heaven. Now, others would say that that predestination is based on God's foreknowledge. He knew what you would do, and that is who he wrote in the Lamb's Book of Life. So, me personally, as I will just tell you up front, where I fall on the category now, at first, when I started, I would have been in the first category, right? God picked it, you had no say in it. Years ago. And then, the longer I've been saved, no, I thought it was this foreknowledge, right? Right? As I have studied through the book of Revelation, I now fall into the third camp. That I believe it is from. So, not that I'm right. Just Well, none of us were. If from is the starting line of the foundations of the earth, none of us were even a gleam at that time. Mm -hmm. So it, it would, it would uh, tilt towards a predestination. In what way? And I would, and I would put as a, a text on that, And so we're going to talk about some of those because those are bigger issues I'm just, I just than. Want, I'm yeah. Want to put Bible into it though. Yeah. Just yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so those are bigger issues that you have to look at in more time than we have. All right. And on the countermeasure of all that, the uh, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that none should perish. Yeah. So, like I said, when you study the Word of God, you have to make sure that you look at. All of them. Unfortunately, we do not have the time to study what? All of them tonight. All right? So we're going to try to make through this as we go. All right? Okay. Next, let's look at all of the, word, the, the verses that talk about before the foundation of the world. Because it wouldn't be fair to look at just the ones that say from. We have to look at the ones that say before. Hence why I think it is so important when you study Scripture to study the verses that you agree with, that you don't agree with, and that are difficult. And so what does it say if you look at the word before? Because in the text, 
If the New King James Version, these verses that we're going to look like are all translated before. I believe that's the accurate right. From is in Revelation, before are these other places. So the first thing that we see is that Christ in the plan of salvation was known from before the foundation of the world. First Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. But with the precious blood of Jesus as a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in the last times for you. So before God created the heavens and the earth, the foundation of the earth is, is reference to creation. All right. Genesis 1, Genesis, you know, all the book of Genesis, we see the foundation of creation. So before creation was created, he had been ordained that it was going to happen, that he was going to die. All right? But it was manifested at the incarnation. That is when you get into some verses like the Bible says that God never changes. Right? There are things about God that never change. But yet the Bible also says that the Word became flesh. Was He flesh before, before He took on flesh? No. So there was some kind of a change there. So you have to be very careful when you say, well, the Bible says that God never changes. Absolutely, there are things about God that never change. But if that was the case all the time, then He could not have taken on flesh. And if He didn't take on flesh, then He could not have came and lived a perfect life Life died a substitutionary death, been buried and risen from the dead. So you have to be very careful when you study the Word of God that your ideas or your favorite theologian or your favorite Bible commentary doesn't dictate everything you believe. And that is the one thing that I have strived to do over these last months is just what does the Bible say? What does it say? I don't... I. I've always loved Rogers and MacArthur and, and, and all of these different people. And I struggle because I go back and listen to old sermons and, and they used to believe this, but then they switched to this. And why did they switch? And all of these things, you know. And so you have to understand that when you stand before the Lord someday and I stand before the Lord someday, I'm not going to be able to say, or you're not going to be able to say, well, Jake taught me this. That's not going to hold up. It is what does God's word Say That's the standard. And so I want to encourage you. That's why I gave you so many verses. Study them. Research them. This, this is how you study if you want to study. Look at this. These are all of the verses in the New Testament that talk about blotting. These are all the New Testament verses that talk about book well, and Old Testament. These are all the verses that talk about blotted. And these are all the verses that talk about uh, blotted in the positive sense. All right? All you can do is get a lexicon, find every time it's used, and begin to what? Study. Study and make notes. And uh, so needless to say, when I say I've been here every night for the past week till midnight, this is why. All right? Handwritten notes make the world go round. And, uh, but you have to do that. You have to know what it says, and then believe it. Alright, so we saw there in 1 Peter, the plan has always been and Christ has always been known. 
We also know that before the foundation of the world, God intended to give believers wisdom, the wisdom to know. First Corinthians chapter two, starting in verses six and seven. However, excuse me, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the ruler of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. So he talks about wisdom that God had intended to give us this wisdom and knowledge before the foundation of the world. Some other verses talking about before. God has always existed. Jesus has always existed. I'm going to say this. Please don't get mad at me. But there are a difference in what religious people believe. Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, Catholics, Baptists, Methodists. And friends, while there are differences in all of us, some of those mentions do not believe that Jesus is God. They believe that He was created or that He is a brother to Satan. And you say, Jake, what does that matter? It means it's a cult. It means it's not real salvation. You say, but I love my version of Jesus. Listen, it might be cool in the song about my Jesus, but when it comes to who Jesus is, it is that He is Jesus. All right, and please don't think I'm trying to be cruel or mean, but I love Jesus. And if I believe that Jesus was created like an angel, friends, I want you to know that person is not a born again believer. You cannot miss it about Jesus. You can miss it about what do you believe about the book of life. You can miss it about what you believe about eternal security. You can miss it about what you believe about women in the pulpit. All of those are important. But friends, if you miss it about who Jesus is, You've missed it. Yeah, I hope so. But John chapter one says what? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. All right. So what else was appointed before the world came into existence? Well, that that appointed time that Jesus would come. Galatians chapter 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Okay? It goes on and says that before the foundation of the world, Christ was loved. The Godhead loved each other and that it was promised that he would be glorified. There was never a time when Jesus' mission was in doubt. All right? It was going to be accomplished. Look what it says in John chapter 17, verses 20 through 24. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So he says, I'm praying for the people that are saved now and the people that are going to be saved as these men go out and preach the gospel that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I am you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Well, that's important. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one 
just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me. This is important because he's saying that how we are, how the church is, the world sees that and that he wants us to show that so that the world can know who he is. All right? And have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you have loved me before the foundation of the world. That whole section is trying to talk about the fact that Jesus has been loved before the foundation of the world. He is the object of what has happened before the foundation of the world. If you remember the verse we just looked at, right? His coming, his coming was what was planned in the fullest of time. Jesus always existence before the foundation of the world, right? So we're seeing that in the Bible, when things are tied to before the foundation of the world, it is usually tied to who? Jesus. What he's going to do what his relationship with is the Father, what he's going to accomplish, all right? Those are all pretty straightforward verses. The next two are where everyone gets really upset. And you're going to get upset based on what you believe, all right? That's it. I mean, there's no reason to get upset, right? But these are two verses that are very difficult for people, no matter which side of the aisle you fall on, to hold to. So in Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, the Bible says, Blessed be that... You say, why are you doing them? Because it says here, what? Before the foundation of the world. And we're looking at all the verses that say the foundation of the world. We're trying to study all of God's word. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. If you jump down to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 13, it says, in him... There's that phrase, in him. We also haven't obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that he, we who first trusted in Christ, should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom? In him, all right? Also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And so, if you hold to the view that God chose before the foundation of the world, this verse is one that you love. But what if you believe that that's not how God operates and it's talking about something else? Well, these are some reasons to make you think. In him, Many Bible commentators believe that the purpose is that Christ was chosen before the foundation of the world. 
He is the one who offers salvation to people. And once they put their faith and trust in him, then they are sealed. They receive the promises that were decreed before the foundation of the world. You say, Jake, is this used anywhere else in the Bible? Yes. In Isaiah 42, verse 1, it says, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one, my elect one, and whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. So, some people would say, he was chosen, and he has chosen to work in our lives. But it also is connected to verse 13 here in this passage of Scripture. Now, I'm not telling you which one of these two to believe. I'm just telling you that because of the way things have gone, this view is never taught very rarely. But in verse 13 it says, in him, right? Connecting us back to verse 3. You also trusted. Now when did you trust? After you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed. It doesn't say you were sealed and then you believed. It says you were believed and then you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. But the problem comes to what does adoptions of sons mean? You say, well, it has to mean that you were adopted into the family of God. Well, in Romans chapter 8, Verse 23, I'm not telling you have to believe this way. I'm just telling you that there are other instances in the word of God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 23, it says, Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. So what it says here is that we have been given our salvation, but we don't inherit all of it until when? Until we get to heaven, right? So we're adopted into the family of God, but we don't receive all the benefits of it until glorification. And so some people believe that that's what that means, and others believe that no, he chose you before the foundation of the world, and that's it. And so you responded because he gave you the ability to respond. Questions? So I'm going to start off again. That's fine. I want to, I want to preface my worldview of this. I don't deserve to be chosen. Mm -hmm. I deserve that. But that's God's grace and mercy mm -hmm. that I was called out. Um, one thing that I would say about the Old and New Testament, those are two different words. One's, one's a Hebrew word, one's a Greek word. Yes. The one in Ephesians is ekodomai. Mm -hmm. And if you do a word study on where we got the name church, it's mm -hmm. ekklesia, the mm -hmm. tall mountains. Yeah. So there is, there is a, a pattern of, of logic that goes into this mm -hmm. through the Greek language as well. Yeah. Yeah, and so, and depending on who you're going to listen to, they're going to say something different. So like I said, I'm okay with you believing either no, way that you want to. I just figured out, yeah. you know, yeah. silence, silence is 
Absolutely. That's why I gave them all to you. I could have skipped all of these verses if I was worried about a question. So, so anyway, so once again, we have a verse here that you have to deal with. You can't skip over it. You can't ignore it. So the same thing happens in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So once again, either Christ chose you before you were ever born, or Christ was chosen before the foundation of the world to be the way of salvation. Now, the issue that Dave just brought about not deserving to be called out, right? The issue is, is faith a work, right? If you have faith in Christ, is that a work that you can brag about? Romans chapter 3, Paul spends the entire chapter saying that faith and works are not the same thing. He, he says they're not. And so if you want to read that on your own time, I encourage you to do that. And he writes this whole chapter about faith and works are not the same thing. It's not. And so when someone says, well, faith is a work, because it's mentioned it in other places in the New Testament, those are always mentioned as after you are working out your salvation. Right? After you have been born again, exercising your faith. But in Romans 3, Paul spends a whole chapter talking about faith is not works, right? Receiving a free gift is not the same thing as earning a free gift. And so some people will say, well, if I receive the gift of salvation, that's boastful, right? Because I received what God offered it to me. That's, that's bragging. I disagree, all right? It's a free gift. God offered it. Now, that's going to fall back to what you believe about it. There's not a wrong or right answer, I don't think. But it's just something very important to remember. Study Romans chapter 3 and really work that into what you think. So, those are the hard ones, all right? That's the hard part. So we're going to blast through this last part, all right? So, can you be blotted out? Can you lose your salvation? Can you, who were once saved be unsaved, all right? Revelation 3, verse 5 says this. The promise of not being blotted out. He who overcomes, what does it mean in the Old Testament, the New Testament to be an overcomer? Someone who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's what it says. Titus chapter 3, verse 5, uh, and we'll go over that in the future. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. All right? In Malachi chapter 3, we see that the recordings of God's people are recorded and he will not forget them. The book of remembrance. You can read through that on your own time tonight. But what about the verses that mention blotting out? Because let's be honest, Southern Baptist are one of the few denominations that believe once God saves you, He keeps you. We're one of the few. 
uh, us Reformed churches, uh, Presbyterian churches, but most churches believe that you can get it, lose it, get it, lose it. Free will Baptists believe you can get it and lose it and never get it back because Christ can't die for you again. But what does it say here in Psalm 69? Add iniquity to their iniquity and let them not come into your righteousness. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. I believe this is talking about a book that every person who has ever been born is recorded in. The book of the living. What I also think it teaches here is that he says, I want my enemies to be killed so they can't be saved. That's what it says. And so if that's the case, what this verse is meaning, it is saying that a person could be written with the righteous until they what? Until they die. Right? That would be the unpardonable sin in the New Testament. Dying, rejecting the free gift of salvation. So this would suggest that a book recording all people who will ever live and when they are blotted out, they are not able to be written with the righteous in the book of life. They cannot be added because they have not believed. Many believe this is a messianic psalm, right? It's a psalm talking about the coming Messiah. And it's talking about their rejection of Jesus and not just rejecting King David. Now, you say, well, a good Southern Baptist wouldn't even touch these verses. Well, I'm not a good Southern Baptist, I guess. But I do want to be a good Bible teacher. Psalm 139, starting in verses 15 and 16. My frame, or my substance, or my members was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet uninformed, unformed. And in your book they are all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. This verse talks about God making our bodies. It is a famous psalm that we use for the sanctity of human life. And this substance can be used as members, bones, body, and it can be used as the actions that you are going to do. It also talks about the days that God is going to give us, even though they are unknown to us. And so you will find some verses in the Bible that say that your days are appointed. You can't add to them or take away from them. But yet, we saw with King Hezekiah that he asked for more time and God gave him more time. Right? You cannot ignore the verses that you don't like even if you can't explain it. So here he's talking about what? The fact that God has a purpose and a plan and a record of our deeds. So... What else does it mean to be blotted out in the Old Testament? Blotted out can mean the memory of you. The memory of you. Your influence, your people, your lineage. Today, you can find a Jew, but you would be hard-pressed to find an uh, Hittite, right? Right, Because they have been blotted out of God's purposes and plans. Exodus chapter 17. I'm not going to read it because we're running out of time. And somebody said they were getting up at 7.30. So, so anyway, but it says because of what Amalek did down there in verse 14, then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial. So write this for a remembrance in a book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. He says, I'm going to wipe out his influence I'm going to wipe out his family, but I want you to remember the fact that I wiped him out. All right? 
Never forget that God's judgment is on sin. The most difficult one comes from Exodus chapter 32. And if you remember what is going on in the book of Exodus, right? They're worshiping a golden calf, right? And, uh, and this one I will try to read to you just because I think it's very important. It's the one that gets most people very confused. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses said to the people, you have committed a great sin. So now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book, which you have written. And the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. Now, therefore, go lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angels shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit for punishment. So don't miss that. What is the punishment tied to the blotting out? I will visit punishment upon them for their sins. So he says there's going to be a blotting. There's going to be a wiping out. Is that from the book of life for their salvation? Or is it from the book of living for their life? I can see it on your face. You really want to know. Numbers 14. Numbers 14. We see that everyone 20 years of age and older, except for a few, what? They die. They do not enter the promised land. So this blotting out is God saying, I'm not taking their names out of the Lamb's book of life. Their punishment is going to be physical death for their sin. And you can read all of that and it explains it. All right. In Israel's case, which this is a reminder for people who forget that God has not done with Israel. In 2 Kings, it says that he would not blot out the name of Israel from under heaven. All right. It says in 2 Kings that God can blight, blot or wipe out a city because of sin. Remember, Jonah was told to go to a city and to preach the judgment was coming unless they repented. And they repented and God relented from the disaster that He had appointed for them. But He says, I will wipe, I will blot Jerusalem. God can blot out your enemies. That doesn't mean that he wipes them from the Lamb's book of life. It means that he destroys them. In Psalm chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. Verse 5 of chapter 9. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. But I want to close on this. Blotting doesn't always mean bad. Doesn't always mean bad. In Psalm 51, verses 1 through 2, it says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot, wipe out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Psalm 51, verses 7 through 9. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot all of my iniquities. Isaiah chapter 44, starting in verse 21. Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I have formed you. 
You are my servant, O Israel. You have not forgotten by me. I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins return to me for I have redeemed you. Other verses that you can find about blotting because like I said, I knew that Dennis really, really wanted to do this next week. So, But in Acts chapter 3, you can write these down or you can ignore me totally. doesn't bother me either way, all right? It talks about blotting out our sins in Acts 3, verse 19. In Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy, looking back to what happened with the nation of Israel, in chapter 9, verse 17, it talks about, hey, I will blot these people out and make a greater nation from you, Moses. Right? He says, I will kill them all and start over if you want me to. In Deuteronomy 25, verses 5 through 6, he says that I will not blot you out so that your name goes extinct. Talking about if a woman's husband died, that someone in her family was supposed to marry her and give her offspring so that that name would not be blotted out. In Deuteronomy 25, in verses 17 through 19, remember their positions could be removed, but not the fact that God's judgment, God's judgment would still happen. In Deuteronomy 29, 20, every curse would be added, right? Would be added for those who twist and turn things. Exodus chapter 17, Isaiah 43, 44, Jeremiah 18, Judges 23, Nehemiah 4. All right, there's tons of them, but yet they all come back to the same thing. God, don't blot me out in regards to kill me for my sin. God, don't let Benjamin be destroyed when it was talking about establishing the different pieces of land for the tribes. Don't, don't blot out enemy's sin. Jeremiah said, don't you dare forgive their sins when he was talking about his enemies, right? And so I do not believe that in any time in the Old Testament, when it's talking about blotting out, that it's talking about blotting someone out from the Lamb's Book of Life. That when God puts your name in it, whenever that is, that it is there for good. Right? And so what I believe is that the security of the believer is that. You say, well, what about verses that talk about a dog returning to its vomit and a a pig to its filth. Well, we're not going to talk about those because that's not in our text. But I would love to talk to you about them at some point. There's a good explanation for them. And so tonight I just want you to see that when it comes to the book of life, it is meant to be an encouragement. It's not meant to be something that is supposed to divide and tear apart and separate. It is a reminder to us that when you belong to the Lord, you are His. Right? God is not the author of confusion. He's not the author of division. And so wherever you fall on the spectrum, know that He knows you, that He has you, and that He will keep you. Alright? Sorry I couldn't go through the whole Bible, but if you all allow me to serve your pastor long enough and the Lord leaves me here at some point, we will go through all of the Bible. Alright? We are working our way through it. And in 12 years... We've made it through a lot of it. So...